It takes more than memorizing FizzBuzz code by heart to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 232. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers about how to implement FizzBuzz in four lines of code. I'm pretty sure my pinned tweet is still about when I tried to implement FizzBuzz with my eyes closed and without looking up what it was. <laughs> it is. It is not... My most popular tweet, but it is the one that made me giggle to myself the most, which is how you should choose your pinned tweets. Yeah, <laughs> the ones you like. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you're not the only Jameson Dance on Twitter, are you? Oh, you are Jameson underscore dance, but there's an imposter with no underscore. What? Oh my gosh. Who is this person? They got a weird creepy crab avatar and haven't tweeted since 2013. That's probably you. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i probably forgot about it you were doing it with your eyes closed and without looking up what twitter was tweeting yeah <laughs> tweeting with my eyes closed no way i was on twitter way before then oh yeah that's right that makes me cool you are super cool <laughs> have you ever been asked to implement FizzBuzz in an interview never never in my life yeah me neither it's kind of cliche now i guess yeah is there a replacement for FizzBuzz? well there was reverse a string for a while I've seen build a doubly linked list or singly linked list, but I feel like according to Mr. Joel Spolsky, FizzBuzz was like the standard. Yeah. And may, I don't know, maybe he just wasn't telling the truth or whatever. Wait, was it him or was it Coding Horror guy? Well, I don't know. They're they're basically the same person. <laughs> <laughs> In my head, they are. <laughs> Je Jeff Atwood, I think is his name. Yeah. I used to read a lot of his blog when I first got into programming. So what's funny is, you know, was it Goodhart's law that says as soon as a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a measure? Yep. I think that's exactly what's happened with FizzBuzz. It's no longer an effective measure because everyone's like, got to memorize the FizzBuzz. FizzBuzz training courses. <laughs> <laughs> it's like FizzBuzz coaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come join my three-day workshop. FizzBuzz influencers. <laughs> <laughs> oh... All right, well, I, I've got some patrons that I want to fizzbuzz call out right now for their support. Please. But every third patron, I'm going to say fizz, and every fifth okay. patron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have two new patrons who get a one-time shout-out. They are Adrian Miasik and Ben Chen, and we have some folks who get a weekly shout-out. They are Oladapo Fadigi, Kajaran Svainson, Oleksandr, Microconfig.io, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Kane, Stephen Armand Lee, John Grant, Vinlock, The Agile Ventures Charity, Nick Gantar, and Philip John Basile. If you would like to support the show financially and get a shout-out or, and, or, get an invitation to our Slack community, all you have to do is go to softskills.audio, which is our website, and click support us on Patreon. And if you just contribute a buck... We will send you an invitation that's worth like at least a dollar and ten cents to join our Slack community. So you'll make money on the deal. And if you paid more than that, your invitation was worth more. That's right. <laughs> so you didn't get ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Great community there. So many good, interesting questions too. And, and just a nice vibe. I like it. Yeah. It's very helpful. Very supportive. This episode is sponsored by Monday.com, a visual teamwork platform that we will tell you more about later. But first, I will read our first question. All right, hit us. This is from, oh, what's that? I said, all right, hit us. Okay. This is from an anonymous listener. 
and I will read it unedited. Okay. First, I want to say thank you, and I really love the show and all your helpful advice. I think it has made me become a better developer. I am a current junior in high school and am the lead developer intern of the small nonprofit with approximately 10 college and graduate interns in it. School has recently started to push me away from the project, not enough time in the day, but I still want to be a source of help. I wrote a very significant portion of the code for the current application. However, the founder wanted this to be shipped as quickly as possible, and this led to a sense of a cobbled together mess of microservices and no documentation. My main problem is that although I feel I have the technical skills to lead the team, I really do not have much experience in terms of team management, especially in the case of leading a development team. During the main development of the application, it mainly consisted of me and this other developer writing the code. However, now that they are gone, I'm the only person, along with someone else who kind of has an understanding with knowledge and familiarity of the code base. Sorry this is long, but I guess I'm asking how I can, number one, create a team structure that will not only prepare interns for real-world development, as well as making sure that the application remains after I move on, and number two, help build processes and structure that will allow people to meaningfully contribute to the code base. Also, just for more information, I have not added unit tests or code reviews. Most of this usually became just as me. Okay. Huh. Okay, great question. But I just want to rewind a moment, just in case our listeners missed a key word in this question, which was, this is a junior in high school. And This is wild. Do you want to explain what that means for our non-American listeners? Yeah, they might be 16, maybe. 16 years, not 16 years of experience. 16 years of age. What were you doing when you were 16, Dave? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I was doing. Nothing useful. <laughs> <laughs> My sole mission in life was to spend as little time working and as much time on the lake as I possibly could. Oh, yeah, you're like a big-time wakeboarder. Right? Yeah, I wasn't, like, great, but I sure spent a lot of time out there, and it was very fun. I was pretty good, but what I was not is a productive member of a development team or someone who touched a computer besides to play video games ever. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, you neither you nor I could have used the term microservices correctly in a sentence. No. Well, I mean, if we could have at 16, we would have been way ahead of the game. A little visionary, yeah. Yeah, a little Martin Fowler, like, <laughs> <laughs> disciples or prophets. This is an incredible question, just absolutely amazing, but not for what the question asks, but because of who the question asker is. I just can't believe the level of maturity that I'm seeing in this question. It's, it is fascinating to me. So good on you. Yeah, we, I am amazed with you. Cobbled together mess of microservices and no documentation. It sounds like you're doing production quality work already as a <laughs> junior in high school. Yes. Um, <laughs> the founder really pushed to ship it quickly. Check. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I wonder if some of this is lack of experience to know how normal this is, because this is sort of par for the course for a lot of development teams, honestly. This is amazing. You're just doing it like 10 years before other people yeah. do this thing <laughs> in their lifetime. I mean, the questions, the questions you are asking are incredible questions for someone of your age. I'm just so impressed. And now I just want to say, I think you should go hang out at Denny's or something because... <laughs> That's what I was doing at age 16. <laughs> These decisions you're making seem too good. Suspiciously good. Suspiciously good. I feel I feel very threatened by you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, in a couple of years, we'll all be working for this person. I know, I know. I-, I wish we could say the name of this listener just so that we could have a reference and say, we were the first one. We heard of them before they were powerful. And- exactly. Before they were Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. So it's a team of volunteers. I think that's harder than the fact that it's a team of folks who are newer in their careers, honestly. Like, I have a friend who runs a nonprofit web development agency that is mostly volunteer and then like a tiny amount of money to pay some people. And he has a really hard time coordinating work because you just can't, if you're paying someone, you can hold them accountable to a standard and then stop paying them if they don't meet it. But like, what are you going to do if they're a volunteer and they don't do their thing? Say, I'm not paying you the $0 anymore. (laughs) You just have to like, you just have to say, you know, all that goodwill you've built up by doing all this free work. Well, you're about to lose it if you don't do what I say. (laughs) Maybe it's a school project. And if it is, then like doing a good job, you have this external motivation of grades attached to it. But the fact that it's a junior in high school and then some grad students and undergrad students makes me feel like it's probably not at least like a high school project. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's like a research project for the grad student or something that that there's some collaboration on. I think what we might have here is a pioneering tech startup founder who has stumbled upon a labor pool. (laughs) (laughs) Super willing, super eager, lots of free time and very, very inexpensive. And right now your founder is out pitching VCs in the Bay Area and saying, showing all the stuff that that has been built. And then they're looking at the the expenses and going, wow, this is amazing. This is the real thing we need to fund is how to get work done for free. Yeah. Now I imagine it's like a passion project that people are interested in inherently, but there's still some flakiness that comes from that. Yeah. You know how we often joke about I, mean, I guess we don't joke about this because, I mean, you did it. Uh, but we, we talk about how people drop out of school to work for some startup or work for, you know, as a developer. Yeah. Pretty common trope. You know, we dropped out of college, whatever it was, computer science or whatever. You know, I'm a college dropout. And actually, many, you know, many of the celebrated tech giants were college dropouts like Steve Jobs and Michael Dell and, and Mark Zuckerberg and stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe the answer here needs to be, well, if dropping out of college is good, let's take it to an extreme. You should drop out of high school. yeah dropping out of college is too mainstream now exactly everyone drops out of college don't drop out of high school lame no please no so i dropped out of second grade to work for this tech startup best decision i ever made man (laughs) didn't have to jump through all those writing my cursive letters hoops (laughs) When are you going to ever use cursive? Got to get out of the rat race, you know? (laughs) Who needs to spell or addition? (laughs) Or identify the colors. (laughs) It's lame. No, that's not second grade. Okay, true. They already have that, and that that is why they're ready to drop out. They're like, how often in real life do you need to cut out paper snowflakes? (laughs) Almost never. I will agree that for me, that skill has been pretty useless. Yeah, you should drop out of school. Elementary school. Yeah. (laughs) I think to drop out of elementary school, really what you're telling them is like, go off the grid and disappear. Because you can't really drop out of elementary school. You have to like, move to the jungle. Oh, because of like federal law? Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to drop out of elementary school in the United States. 
but if they yeah. never catch you because you're in your survival bunker <laughs> in the mountains then oh you mean you mean your tech boot camp your tech boot camp <laughs> yeah it's a tech boot camp survival bunker in the mountains that trains people on how to start up startups i mean it look it I know it might sound like a terror cell, but no, it's not. Yeah, exactly. I know that there are <laughs> groups of men with beards doing jumping jacks and I don't know, like everyone's in camo and you sure have a lot of firearms for a SaaS startup, but <laughs> but we're raising the VC money. That's our customer support team. Yeah, I mean, so dropping out of college, fine. Dropping out of high school, please don't. Dropping out of elementary school, obviously we're joking. <laughs> Let's just... Let's just be clear. So there's this trend of of naming your customer support team something that is demeaning, but it, you think is cool to make it feel like they're important and valuable. Okay. There's like customer support heroes or ninjas or something. Okay. So we have a customer support militia. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are armed and helpful. Oh, uh, yeah, don't do those things. How can I create a team structure that will not only prepare interns for real-world development as well as make sure? So one thing that strikes me is this seems like it could be similar to an open-source project okay? because uh, it's like loosely structured, no external hierarchies, people coming and going, dipping in and contributing, and then maybe disappearing forever. And there's lots of projects that work like that there are some open source projects that are very structured but plenty that are kind of like loosely held together by groups of volunteers yeah they all usually have someone or some core that is very dedicated though right. i don't know of any that literally everybody is kind of just floating in and out right so one option could be to appoint yourself as the benevolent dictator for the rest of your college your high career. school career i mean high school <laughs> career jeez i can't even say it right yeah benevolent dictator for two years of this project and then you kind of structure it as like you marshalling other people's help but your job is also to find a replacement start looking at that freshman class now because yeah. <laughs> by the time you're ready to go you want them to be around for a while that's right the succession plan yeah I, i'm i don't think i'm joking i think that'd be interesting I think it's helpful to have somebody kind of running the project, but but you can coordinate stuff. Just think about the springboard that this person has right now and to be able to extend that to an incoming class of other bright entrepreneurial, not not even entrepreneurial, but just, you know, tech-minded, developer-minded folks. It's fantastic. It's a great way to pay it forward. And and I would say that you're over, you are overthinking this problem. You are already getting so much benefit and everyone on the team is already getting so much benefit and real-world preparation just by having shipped a product at all with any working code that you are miles ahead of where the typical developer is. And I would not fret one bit about this. Just have a good time and learn everything you can. I'm going to be harsher. I'm going to say you got to do you got to do better. Now, I agree with Dave that like, yeah, you're doing great. If you really want to improve stuff, I think you can just uh, help build processes and structure um, I often see like contributor guides in open source projects. So you can just document what you hope the practices are that people will follow mm -hmm. or kind of, I guess first I would pull them and get agreement and then write down the things you agreed to in some kind of document that lives with the project. And then it's really easy to hold to them because you say, Hey, like we do code reviews, like it says in this thing that we all talked about. And then when a new person comes on, you just 
do code reviews because that's what you do. It's not like a discussion you have to have. Yeah. So I think when I was young, and Jameson, I'm curious if you agree with me, but when I was young, I undervalued writing and written documentation. And I wonder if this person does too. Although, to be perfectly frank, this person is obviously 10 times smarter than we ever were. So probably any, any <laughs> advice that we give here is just stupid. But Well, since I dropped out in first grade, most of my documentation <laughs> is finger paint documentation. <laughs> just like finger painted UML diagrams. <laughs> Your fingers are so chubby and the paint is so smeary. I can't tell if that's a diamond or a circle. <laughs> oh my gosh the turing machine the the symbols are written on the tape in finger yes paint. oh my gosh it's a turing complete painting kit <laughs> it's amazing i mean this is just amazing did you did you ever see the tv show doogie hauser never but i've heard of it okay so doogie hauser was popular in the 80s and it was about a kid who was like a 16 year old or maybe even like younger doctor you know and I just guarantee you, if they remade Doogie Howser today, this kid would be a developer. Except it would be way boring to just sit there and watch them type. <laughs> Hence why they haven't remade right, it, right. I guess. <laughs> I'm sure it's been pitched. Yeah, I agree with Dave, though. You're rad. If you really want more, I would look at open source structure. But, I mean, anything you do will be pretty awesome right now. This is amazing. This is just mind-blowing. By the way, feel free to send me your resume. I, I will definitely look at opportunities for you the youngest person i've ever hired was actually 17 so a probably pretty similar age to this person and his mom had to sign his employment contract so we could give him stock options yeah i was gonna ask <laughs> did you need parental yes. permission yeah his parents doesn't that run afoul of child labor laws no somehow? not at all i mean it, you're uh 17 is a is a employable age it was totally up and up above board every bit of it okay i mean this is great cool you know what else I would say? So I'm just going to like throw away the questions you've asked me because, I mean, they're fine. But I, <laughs> what, I'm, what I would say is, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you're being paid for this to do this. But if not, go get a job as a developer intern anywhere. You're going to have to find a company who will stretch a little. I've tried to get interns your age hired at Big Tech Co's and it does not work. But plenty of startups will hire you at a really good wage. And you could pay yourself your way through college very easily if you start now at a job that pays, you know, 20 or 30 bucks an hour. That would be awesome. Oh, man, that's that's outrageous amounts of money for a high schooler and college student and many adults. And an outrageously small amount of money for every company that pays software developers. Yeah, that's true. Know your worth and get out there and, and go find it. I'm just I'm just amazed by this question. It's fantastic. Junior in high school. Well, the junior intern lead developer team lead intern microservice operator 16 year old i love it might not have a license to drive a car but does operate a complex microservice architecture and is thinking about unit tests that's fantastic i don't even think about unit tests <laughs> i never will i'm gonna die without thinking about it you're already ahead of me your dropouts are all the same no unit <laughs> quality <laughs> Now, I'm not going to name any names, but we have a time-honored tradition on this show of complaining about hard-to-use task trackers. However, things are changing in this world. Have you heard about Monday.com? Yeah, I've used Monday.com. It's a work OS that powers teams to run processes, projects, and build custom workflows in one digital workspace. It's pretty cool. It's very modern. I heard you can actually develop apps that run on Monday.com now. It's super customizable. That's right. And Monday.com is hosting an app competition for developers. They're giving away three Teslas and a bunch of other prizes to the winners. 
I'm recruiting a team to implement Doom in Monday.com, and you can ride in my Tesla if we win. (laughs) This sounds like a good chance to get in early on a growing platform. Currently, there are over 100,000 teams that use Monday.com for their daily work, and your app could be in front of them. To sign up, go to Monday.com slash soft skills. You can find the dates and the rules of the competition there. I suggest you check it out today so you don't miss out. Go to Monday.com slash soft skills. All right. Do you want to read our next question? Yes, I do. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, I work in an AI startup and I'm planning to change my job. My contract is full of NDAs about pretty much everything. How do I talk with companies and recruiters about things I do when I'm not allowed to disclose project details like technologies or libraries used, algorithms for data manipulation, or even where we take data from, bought or downloaded? I can't say anything more than, quote, I work on AI and we do music manipulation in a programming language. What do I say? Okay, I've got a couple ideas. One is an NDA chain letter. Okay. <laughs> where you are, you can tell people stuff, but now they're part of the NDA too. Okay. And then they have to forward it on to some of their friends. So it's all above board, all covered. Just the NDA has a wider scope if it grows as the chain letter goes out. And, and they have to send it to an, a completely unsustainable number of friends, right? Yeah, 15 people. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you are in violation of the NDA contract. Perfect. (laughs) So then everyone is under NDA. Yeah, they're all under NDA. It's fine. I I just had this image in my head of like somebody being under this really strict NDA and then just kind of totally ignoring it and telling the recruiter everything and being like, oh, man, they're really going to freak out when I told them I told the recruiter all of our secret sauce and (laughs) just like totally casual about it. I don't know why. It just made me chortle inside. (laughs) why because the recruiter is not going to do anything with that i don't know why it's just this idea of like someone being so casual about this thing that's big and scary and nda'd is i'm sure it happens a lot yeah probably but the times that it goes bad you hear about it in the news because they get sued and it usually only goes bad for people that are probably making what you make with a few extra zeros on the end yeah or if it's like sales or if they have some expensive or valuable kind of contract or contacts with customer list i don't know customers yeah i've seen that stuff go poorly stenography you could try hiding the technologies that you use in like the first letter of every line on your resume you okay you send your resume over but you also send a piece of paper with a bunch of very small holes about the size of letters yeah yeah see if they can figure it out yeah or you like write tensorflow in lemon juice on it <laughs> with a with a toothpick and then say hold this resume up to heat yeah. <laughs> i love it but you can't tell them to hold it up to heat they have to figure it out because that way you have plausible deniability yeah i don't know how you would tell them to figure it out without telling them to hold it up to heat though yeah i, I don't know climate change <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta heat the planet up enough so that your resume so that the the lemon juice turns brown and then you can tell people. Good news, you're an AI, so you're probably using a whole bunch of GPU cores already, so you're on You it. are part of the solution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could speak in rhymes. Just be like, look, I'm under NDA, so some of the words I say might sound a little weird, but we did some really cool AI with this technology called Fence or Flow. <laughs> When you said speak in rhymes, I imagined you composing like a limerick. Oh, man. 
and you just leave the last word unsaid, but you yeah. can figure out what it is by rhyming. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there once was an AI engineer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You could probably twist this around and actually turn it to your advantage and say, you know, look, I improved our accuracy from X to Y by using some amazing techniques that I cannot ever tell you about. But if you pay close attention to my work after you hire me, you might just get some <laughs> some clues. <laughs> pay me to observe the secrets of this famous AI company. I mean, they can't an NDA can't stop you from using your knowledge to build new things at a new company. But so I'm only half joking when I say that. Uh, sure, it can stop you from saying this company uses technology X, but if you show up, your skills are transferable regardless of NDA. And so now you just have to pitch that. And I think the way you pitch that is by describing the impact of what you did. And you can say things like, you know, like I increased accuracy from X to Y, or I increased precision or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you may not be able to actually describe the technique that you used. But I think what that means is that they're going to have an unclear idea of whether you know certain technologies. But you could tell them, hey, you could ask me about TensorFlow, and I'll tell you what I know about it, but I will not confirm or deny whether I used it at this company. Yeah. Another good thing about this NDA is they, you can't tell them what you did, but you also can't tell them what you didn't do. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, they could assume that you know everything, right? Like, you can't tell them you don't know stuff. Because then by process of elimination, you'd be telling them what you knew. Okay. So you just get to claim implicitly, I guess, that you know every AI technology yeah. and library and algorithm. And <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. Perfect. And I'm sure they'll believe you. That will enhance your value. <laughs> what technologies do you know? Assume I know all of them yeah. for legal reasons. For, <laughs> my lawyer says I have to say all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like that idea of talking about impact. I am not a mere human earthly lawyer. Right. According to the tenets of space law, though, there's probably some limit on NDA scope. If not, that is actually a thing that you can negotiate in your contract or or it's probably too late now if you already work there. But when you're when you're working at places and they hand you stuff to sign, depending on the company you can say, hey, like, please put a timeline on this instead of have this NDA last forever, like, I don't know, two years after the end of employment yeah. or whatever term. And that way, that kind of frees you up from accidentally breaking an NDA sometime on your deathbed or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's there can be flexibility in those terms as long as you make it clear, like, your intent is to protect the company's proprietary information. You just don't want to get into a situation where it ruins your life to do so yeah too late now though yeah sorry <laughs> time travel problem once again yeah i have never worked somewhere where the ndas covered the core like it covered the secret sauce of the business sure. like i couldn't tell people how much money we made or something but never like what we did oh and this company is trying to solve this problem so we built this technology to solve this problem so i'm not sure how i would get around it if if like the problem you're trying to solve is part of the secret sauce. Right. Well, one thing one thing that I've seen done and that I've done myself is I will reference public statements by the company. I mean, those, those are obviously not protected by NDA. So press releases, any kind of announcement, 
marketing emails, collect those and know that any information in those is fair game. Can you say like, I worked on that thing, that thing in the press release? Well, probably. I think an NDA generally is not, is not, uh, I mean, who knows? The language might be really crazy in this NDA, but generally NDAs are not about what did individuals do, but rather what does the company do? And as soon as a company says something publicly, that's no longer protected by NDA, according to my space attorney bar association legal precedent things. Yes. <laughs> the Council of Space Attorneys. <laughs> okay. I think your idea of talking about impact so far feels feels like the strongest one to me. Yeah. And then second strongest is obviously assuming that you know everything. Right. <laughs> That's a good backup. I mean, a lot of times these companies who are hiring engineers for specialized roles like this, and I've been in a lot of what we call scientist interviews at my current company, they typically will ask you questions to kind of quiz your knowledge. You know, they'll say like, I'm going to give you a situation. You describe to me the approach that you would take, some statistical technique or machine learning algorithm or whatever, or tell me about the trade-offs of X and Y. Yeah. And you can definitely answer those questions. I mean, the fact that you know how to apply certain kinds of regressions to data sets or whatever has no bearing on whether or not company X uses the, that particular algorithm. So hopefully those kinds of questions yeah. are totally fair game. I mean, hopefully your value to a different job is not like check out this sweet hard drive full of all the the, <laughs> the the weights in the neural network that I took. Yes. Like that's how you end up in jail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how you become like the Waymo guy. Exactly. Let's call let's call yeah, him the Uber I, guy because it <laughs> was he the Uber guy? Well he left No, my bad. My bad. He you're right. He left Waymo. He was the Waymo guy and took all the secrets to Uber. Yes. Yep. Never a doubt in my mind. Let's not pretend that Waymo has anything to learn from Uber. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like focusing on problems that you could solve. That would be interesting. Outcomes. I'm, Outcomes, I, though. I, I find it hard to believe that you wouldn't be able to say, like, experienced in image processing or, like, I don't know, like something vague and broad. So I'm not an AI expert, but I've seen candidates go through the process and they get very specific in my experience. Mm. And so it's going to be... So it has to be like this specific algorithm. Yeah. I don't think it'd be sufficient to just be like, well, I improved our recall from 84% to 86%. Hire me. Yeah. You know, they're going to be like, how'd you do it? And that's where it's going to get dicey, I think, for you. But yeah, I don't know. It's tough. You know, those Nerf, you know, all those videos on the internet of somebody controlling a Nerf gun where it shoots somebody else by using computer vision? Uh-huh. I did that. <laughs> that's your resume exactly there may be depending on like how serious this is like if you this is a lot of money on the line or you know if the offer is i don't know if, if this is very important to you it might be worthwhile to to consult a lawyer have the lawyer read your nda and then the lawyer can tell you your nda is not binding it goes too far you should be allowed to talk about that and there could be things that the lawyer can guide you on that you can say or not say and then feel comfortable that you're not going to get in trouble yeah, there's this delicate dance where you can kind of like say whatever you want, but that doesn't mean it's enforceable. Right. But that also doesn't mean that you can't get sued for it. And, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's the real catch-22 is that like even though you're in the right, you might still end up in court and that would suck. But the chances, honestly, the chances of you ending up in court are probably pretty slim unless this company is just super protective. I think you could probably kind of examine all of the cases of NDAs and court filings out there and come up with 
an AI that would help recognize your <laughs> likelihood of ending up in court. Like maybe infer this NDA. the uh, likelihood? Yeah. yeah. Maybe give it a confidence score? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe by AI, they really mean like grammar parsing or something. You yeah. know, like the 80s, like old school definition of AI. Right. It's like building syntax trees <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder if those people are really mad about what AI means Oh, for now. sure. Like, for sure they are. The AI purists? Yeah. That's just statistics for the whole <laughs> crap load of video cards. <laughs> That's just a lot of statistics. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, have we answered the question? I think so. I'm pretty sure we've answered it. Good luck. Oh, there is one more thing. I mean, you could always hold the NDA out as evidence that you're working on really cool stuff. Just be like, look. Mm. <laughs> I can't tell you, but check this piece of paper out and then tell me if you think it's valuable or not. Exactly. Gotta be valuable if they're this concerned, huh? Yeah. Have you ever seen an NDA this ironclad? You better hire me. <laughs> All right. What can people do if they want their own questions answered, Dave? Go to softskills.audio and click the Ask a Question button. Thank you so much to everyone who does that every week. We really appreciate it. And if you'd like to support the show, click support us on Patreon, and we will send you a Slack invitation the first week of every Gregorian calendar month. All right. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>